This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Um, okay, so we're heading towards Hamburg, which is at the other end of, uh, it's the north end of uh, Germany. And the reason why it's most famous, I mean, there are many reasons, but we spoke about the Messoros Torah, and we had spoken about Worms, we spoke about Frankfurt and Berlin. Hamburg is a detour in a sense. It, it had a vibrant community. At some times it was a very, uh, it was a port. If you'll see that there's a river that goes to the North Sea, the Elbe goes to the North Sea and then becomes part of the Atlantic. And that's something that was a big port. All the Rabbanim who came to America from Europe would travel to Hamburg and then from there take the boat and go to America. That was the, the route. Now, um, the, the, unfortunately, the historical part that we're going to be engaged in, most of it, there are some other Kvarim, but it's famous for a terrible, terrible explosion. Um, the Rabbi Yaakov Emden and the Rabbi fight and it's it, Hamburg the Jewish community Hamburg was the big city there was Altoona and Wandsbach were smaller um, little uh, towns associated with it the Jewish community was basically in Altoona that was the seat of it so that's where the drama took place I guess but to try to understand it a little bit in a bigger context now be, before I go further a one person who has done a lot of history work on it, spoken a lot, there's a lot online, and written a lot about it, is somebody who really is, it's worth reading everything he's written and listening. His name is Abshnea Lyman. His son is a Rebbe by us. That's not his Yichas, but just happens to be his Silversmith connection. Abshnea um, Lyman is a real Talmud Chacham, a real historian, and a real Ishemis and also an extremely interesting speaker, extremely. He knows how to set up his speeches that it's dramatic. He's really does very well, and, I, and anything you get your hands on, he has a website which I think you have to pay a few dollars for the sure. They're amazing. Whatever, whatever he speaks about, he knows his stuff, and he's a real Erlich Yid, and, and it's, it's, it's really amazing. So I want to speak though, I want to give it a more of a historical context so that we understand what, what prompted a lot of the reaction. In 1648 and 49, there was a terrible, terrible massacres in Europe, Poland called Tachvetat. Ukrainians um, it, it rebelled and, and they slaughtered out many, many Yidin. A lot was written on it. Yevain HaMitzula from Nasa Hanover. It was one of those great churbanists of Kal Yisro. Xeris Tachvetat, Crusaders, um, Spanish Inquisition, Xeris Tach are three big, um, big times of churban. The plague, the Black Plague was also a time, but, but these really rate as, as the, as the um, big, terrible catastrophes of Kal Yisro. Tachvetat was 1648-1649. Um, soon after that, somebody who was born in Turkey in 1626 began 
the person was very charismatic, the person was a makubal, the person was um, slightly mad, which is always helps when you're trying to um, sway the masses. And he began slowly gaining a following, and that was Chapsi Tzvi, and people flocked to him. And they did tshuva, they sold all the stuff, they're going to Etisrael soon. Nevuas started coming out, he had a Navi. It, it really, really was an extraordinary uh, industry of, um, of, of uh, messianism. And people really took to it. They were coming on the one hand in Europe, had just suffered Tachvetat, and the only explanation for Tachvetat was that it's that it is it is telling us it, it is sort of um, it, it is preceding Mashiach, and this is the Mashiach. He was a very charismatic personality. He had gematrios and Kabbalah, and and he would stand for a week in one place and daven and and learn and say brilliant stuff. And a lot of people were swayed by him. Not only Hamonam, Rabbanim of different types. Certainly, many Rabbanim had the uh, certain many Rabbanim had the feeling of let's wait and see. He's he's definitely a viable candidate. And it swept Europe. He um, he at some point he began going and getting from mad to worse. The, um, he, he declared Tishabov a holiday and he made a new yontiv and was matter this and that. He started going into high gear and that's when more serious people, um, more serious people uh, dissuaded themselves from him. He still had a mass following until in, in 1666, the, um, the, the caliph, the, the, the ruler of Turkey heard about this fellow who is basically um, undercutting his malchus. Like, th th this is, this is a, a government within a government. He's the next Jewish king in Sulu. He imprisoned him, and even while he was in prison, he, he, he had like a grand court. It's, it's really phenomenal. It, it, it's extraordinary history. And then the king basically gave him a choice. He could be a dead messiah or a live Muslim. And he chose to be a live Muslim. And he converted. And he, and he took on a Muslim name. And he still had a large following. And they answered it with all sorts of Kabbalistic things that the Toiv has to become in the Ran, that way it'll overcome it, on and on and on with that stuff. Until he died about 10 years later. So you had the people, there were the few fanatics that opposed him from the very get-go. And Bishaitoi, they were looked upon as being Kanoim. You know, the type of people who make demonstrations and may assure him about the train and stuff like that. That's what they were like. Um, there were people who were diehard Mishichistim, who even after it collapsed, still explained how this is a secret. This was way before QAnon got started. How this is a secret way to be able to get into the this and that, and it's going to be added up and so on and so forth. By the way, just just uh, 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 um, what's a uh, paragraphical remark, uh, parenthetical remark. I saw a safer written in Soviet uh, Russia in the 30s 
when, the, when there was real persecution, real, I, I assume the government needed to, the government needed to cover themselves up, and they had Rabbanim publish a book, which took Akhtair and Drushes and so on, and one of the drushes in the in the in the beginning says that the etzim dialectical materialism, which is the ideology of the Marxist movement, is really going to bring Mashiach, even though we don't understand how. But this is this is the mahalach to bringing Mashiach to and the gula to the world, even if we don't understand how. But but that, that was a, it's a certain type of thinking. Um, in, in psychology, there's a phenomenon that in cults when the worst comes true, people double down on their beliefs. It's an incredible um, phenomenon. So you had those two extremes, and you had many people who sobered up, and anything that smelled of something similar, there was a, an allergic reaction to it. So the Shabtzitzvi movement included in itself the Chor Meshav made. There were groups that converted with him together. There were still groups until World War II, odds and ends in Turkey and Greece. I think they're called Dan Duma or something like that. I don't remember the name. I once was in the library. What? Dunva? Yeah. And Dunva. And they had Machzorim and Sidurim. You can go to the Hebrew University Library. I, I, I was once looking at other stuff. I, I happened to see it. And it has in it, This, it was like, Minhagim die slow. And when the Heile Gezaitis had this, they had it. It was incredible. It, and, and it created a tremendous reaction against it. And therefore, Anything that smelled of Kabbalah, anything that smelled of Meshichiyot, anything that smelled of um, unusual charismatic people brought about reactions and people, and, and people um, reacted. Now, the truth was, so, so somebody once said, um, even paranoid people have enemies. That's a one saying, but I once said a marshal. There was this fellow walking around, being um, being uh, petrified of being eaten by a lion, and the psychologist had a field day. Was this a repressed trauma? Was this an overbearing father figure? Was this this or that? Till someone asked him, "What do you do for a living?" and he said, "He feeds the lions in the zoo." So people had the sense it happened once it'll happen again now the truth was it was happening there was a cult called the franks um, Jakob frank it was a much more evil much it shops it seemed to be somebody who was sort of a a um, manic depressive he seemed to have there was something there genuine that was frank was an evil person very into personal gratification every level but he had a cult following. And there was all of these Shapsitzvi groups, like, like, like these people in, in, in Turkey and in Greece and so on. So a century later, people were still, had the, 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 the knee-jerk reaction against it. It was one of the reasons why the Ramchal was persecuted. Again, 
there was a sense that this was in the 1700s. There was a sense that this is, again, starting with all sorts of things, and, and that's just why Hasidim were persecuted. It sounded all over again, Shabzich number two. This, is, this was 100 years later. 100 years later, we have charismatic people, so to speak, stretching halacha, talking about, especially when Hasidim spoke about being malanitsosos, that in every bad there's good, and, and you have to bring out the good and the bad, and so on and so forth. This really, really caused, and it's, it's helpful in understanding this. Um, this explains a lot of Jewish history. The secular academics really loved Shapsi because they felt this is a valid Kabbalah approach, and they saw in him not a deviant, but mainstream. And and this is this many many dissertation was written proving that such and such person was a Shapsi Tzvi, and such and such and such person because it, it, again you know it, 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 it's man you know dog bites man does not make for good news or for a good dissertation man bites dog does so they they love this stuff but this was a background to what was happening it starts rebionis Ibishitz was born in 1694 so which means v died in 76 so he was he was born in poland i made a mistake i, I mixed up names he was a talmud of maramash and um, and he was um, a brilliant Ilu. He was a Goyen Adem. Now, it, it, I don't, it's hard to trust um, a lot of the stuff. Uh, since he was brilliant and noted for his sharp sayings and bright chachmas, um, every smart thing that somebody thought of, they put into his mouth. So there's a thousand one stories about him and the, and the, and the Goyim and the, and the king and this and that. I don't know. It, it's, it's irrelevant. None of it is really important. Um, but there's, you know, it, it was, he, was a, he was a personality that, that assumed a certain, um, a, a certain uh, role of being very sharp, very wise, a big harif, which he was. And therefore, everything was stuck on him. Uh, the Chassidim saw him, for many reasons, as being in line with, with, with Hasidus, and he's known as the Rebbe of Yenison. So he's born in 1694 in Poland, learning by Ram Ash. I, 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 I mean, he, he superseded any one of his Rebbeim. He was, he was really a Goyen Eilam. He then became, um, his first position was in Prague in 1714 and he started as being the darshan and then became Rosh Hashiva over there. I guess combined mashkiach Rosh Hashiva jobs together, it was common, if I understand correctly in those days, that the darshan and head yeshiva was the same and he had a big yeshiva where hundreds and hundreds and maybe more people, maybe thousands of people, I don't know the cheshman, learned over the years, Gedole Olam. He was from the big, big people in, in, uh, in, uh, in, in, the, in Eastern Europe, in, in, in Eastern Europe. He was a, um, he was someone who was a Roshiva and as a fascinating piece, in 1725, which means 10 years after he became Rosh Hashiva, he was still a young person at the time, 
he put out a cherem against any hidden Shabbatsky people. He himself signed off on a cherem. I guess there were people in Prague. Shnei Lyman told me that Prague had packets and packets of uh, Shabbatsky people. So he actually came out against Shabbatsky in in that kufa. There was um, in, in and so for 25 years he had a yeshiva in Prague. That was L'shemel Seferis. Many of the Gdola Rabbanim, many of them, learned there. It's an important piece to understand besides his chashivas. He was also one of these people who was an all-around genius. We have from him in Halacha slash Pilpul, we have the crazy place that he wrote, I think, close to 100 Sfarim, most of them we do not have in print, crazy place, um, or Vetumim. These are fundamental, these are very Hashemis farm crazy places in Yerodea, or Betumim is in Archaish uh, Mishpat. The, the type of issues that the Ketzeis will deal with is coming from the Tumim. The Tumim touches on many important kashas on the Shach. You're talking about somebody who is really up there in every way possible. He wrote, um, they put out on, 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 on the Chumish, he, he wrote a lot of this, they didn't publish much with Teferis Yonason. He he, his, he he spoke a lot. He said, Drushes, you wonder today, he was a very popular Darshan. You look at the length of his Drushes, it says a lot about the audience. They were either very polite or very knowledgeable. But, but I mean, it, 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 the, the, the length of these and, and the intricacies, he was a very big harif. So the pilpul of Stalin, so he basically, a lot of times he took Chazal that were very difficult to understand and he showed like he made a dozen two shells and if you add up everything it gets answered it, it's today we we caught it it's not the type of thing that speaks to us today but lemaisa it was extraordinary and on many other topics he was also learned learned in in chachma saolam he, he, he like everybody else he was very well read he knew a lot and in many, many areas, he was extremely knowledgeable. And he was somebody, he was also very friendly with um, Goyesha, um, with, with, with Goyesha uh, priests and scholars. He was very friendly. And it was somebody that was, um, he, he had a lot of, he had a lot of interactions where he defended Jews and that's why and that's why you have all these stories that grew up around him. People say always, I always tell Bachram that apocryphal stories, stories that are not true, are a lot more true than stories that happened. Because a story that happened may have just happened. But if you tell a story about somebody, it's because you feel he embodies it. So, so the type of Chachmas, of Harifas, and how he answered, and his sharpness and interactions is based on his person. So he was that. When France conquered, took Paris, he moved on and became a Rav in a city called Metz in France and was Rav there for a while. Now, the Austrians saw that as treason. Ki'ilu, he went over to the French and therefore, when he wanted to leave Metz, he could not leave anymore and go to um, and go to uh, a, 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 a back to Prague. 
and he ended up, whatever, one step other, but he ended up in Altoona, which was basically the um, the suburb, so to speak, of um, of Hamburg, and that's where the, the, the Jews sat. In 1750, so he was he was there. He was the Darshan. He was the town rav. He was the Avesdin. He was the big person in uh, in, in the, the three Kehillas together had one seat. They were called Ahu, Aleph, Heivav, Altuna, Hamburg, and Wandsbach. And this was the this was a very very prestigious rabbinus, very hush rabbinus, and he was the head of it. One of the things that he did while he was um, while he was the rub there was there were women that were dying, I believe, in childbirth, and he wrote kameis, he wrote amulets um, uh, to protect them. A kamei is something that the Gemara talks about. The Gemara says that a kamei has to be tested in order to be able to carry it out on Shabbos, meaning that it's a proven remedy, you need to have it tested three times, three people. And that, so writing Kamais was something that was very much um, part of, um, you know, it was a certain, um, it, it, was a, it was a certain enterprise that had roots in the Gemara and, and certainly in Kabbalah, Mises and so on. And he wrote his amulets to protect the women. Living in Altoona, not far from him, was another person. This other person's father was called Chacham Tzvi. He was a very big time Chacham. He was the rub over there. And he, um, he had passed away. And he had a son named Yaakov, who had been a rub in a town called Emden for a few years didn't work out and um, and we basically came to a place where he wanted to be able to print Svarim. So it had a printing press that he owned and he sat there, he was a private person, a private balabas, and sat there, recognized as a Talmud Chacham, but that was it. And his name was Rabbi Yaakov Emdin. Rabbi Yaakov Emdin was a very big Talmud Chacham. It's not for me to measure, but in, 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 in uh, let's call it, in, in Sephiroth's Arbanus, it doesn't hold a candle to the Rambatum, to the Kesey Placey, and to the Kharifah, so it's a person, but a very big Talmud Chacham. He also was a very sharp person, and depending on what your opinion was, he either spotted the truth with no other one, no other person spotted it, or he was vindictive and difficult and angry. Again, that's, that's already giving a, 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 a peerage. But Lamaisa, he was there. In 1751, I mean, a year after Gernsheim's came, he made an announcement as follows. Raboisai, I have checked some of the kameis that Yabir wrote, and it is clear that he's a Shapsitzvinik. The letters are all, and I'll show you, and he showed how the letters are Rashitavis for sentences that proclaim the glory of Shapsi Tzvi. And, um, and that started a war, an incredible war. 
It started one of the biggest machlokas in, in Klai Yisrael. And in many ways, um, people feel that it did a tremendous amount to undermine the covenant of the Rav, the status of Kehillus, and um, it, it had a lot of repercussions, but certainly the bitterness of the machlokas and so on. He published many, many, he had a printing press and he used it. And he published it to batter Revere's um, Eibeshitz. He wrote Sfas Emes, it was called, and he wrote Akitsas Akrav, and pamphlets, proving, and, 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 and so on and so forth. The, for a while, Revere's Eibeshitz did not respond. Revere's Eibeshitz finally put together a compendium of 300 letters from Gdolei Harabanim supporting him. Remember, most of the Rabbanim, Vesaragon had learned by him. He, he was the Rav of the Rabbanim in Europe. And it was called Luchas Haedus. And he wrote um, 300, he published 300 letters supporting him. The, um, and obviously, like Emden wrote back, Shviras Luchas, I think, discrediting those letters, claiming some are false, some are not true, some are mean the opposite, and, and the same. But those letters, those letters went a long way in, um, those letters went a long way in quieting down a machlokas. On the one hand, Rabbi Yaakov Emden lost steam. His community also, um, his community also lost patience with him. They weren't interested in somebody fighting with Rav, so he was kind of shut out. But on the other hand, Rabbi Yenisa Eibeshitz's life was Gehenim. And he died a few years later and attributed a lot of it to the fight with him. There are three or four interesting names associated with this fight. And this is where it gets very fascinating. The Pnei Yeshua, who was a Rav in Frankfurt, wrote vociferously against Revenge Ibishitz. Sharply, strongly, he needs to step down, and he needs to stop being a rub, and so on. He sided with her Yaakov Emden, with some with some differences and so on. If you'll um, that's one. Rebcheska Landau, Noida Behuda, he had seen the Kameas, he wrote like this. This was his position, his official position. He's a big tzaddik, a big Talmud Chacham. His kameas were misunderstood by some people, and therefore nobody should say bad things about him, but he should be macabre on himself not to write any more kameas and not to use kameas whatsoever, and to be going as all old kameas. Um, which he did, Lemaise, stop. And then there was a letter from the Vilna Goyim. The Vilna Goyen's letter was printed as supporting Rabbi Yenison. If you look at the letter, the letter says, like, Kvayit, so on and so forth. I've heard about this terrible machloikis. It is so terrible. I wish I could do something. I'm far away. I'm young. I can't do anything. But I just hope for Shalom, so on and so forth. The letter is as diplomatic and as powerful as you get. But there are two or three things that he mentions that sound supporting like he says that this, his stuff is, I forgot to use the little shyness, like two or three little shyness about how this is really 
and it's very oiskehalten the last. Rabbi Yaakov Emdin, the first time round, said, he laughed at this whole book, and he says, and he brings a raya from some nobody, some, some young nobody in Vilna. He, he hadn't heard of the going yet, and he wrote about it. He didn't, he didn't. Second time round, he, 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 he said, he writes about the going, obviously, with tremendous accounts, but he says he got it wrong and so on. That was a, it was a very powerful book. Now, Rav Shea Lyman has a bunch of articles. I really suggest you read them because he's a person who's both, under, he's a Tardikid, understands the world, and understands, uh, understood a lot about it. He felt that the, the approach, Rev Lando also was worried about it. He felt the best approach is to, um, is, is to quiet it down and so on. He felt that the Chnari Buddha had ambivalent feelings about it and so on, but he felt it's the right way. The Vilna Goyen, he brilliantly shows that the Vilna Goyen is quoting Rabbi Yonis letter to him when he refers to it with his great titles of these Kameas being, you know, uh, in Hari, he said, he's simply quoting him and he, and he goes to great lines of that. Um, the, the, it, it, like I said before, it quieted down. But the Machlokas devastated. It, it, it shook Europe from one end to the other end. This is the greatest Rav accusing the greatest Rav of being an Apicorus. He also, and Abstein Lyman has a piece. He, he had two big riots. One was the Kameis, and, and, and the second one was the Matseva of the, of the, um, of the wife of. Uh, where he shows that Arashitavis spells out Shapsi Tzvi. Shapsi says, well, you can't better proof than that. It's open for everyone to see and it's there. The problem is when you see the Matseva, it doesn't say that. It's been played around with. He blacks in certain letters, leaves out certain letters, which the Churus sounds like a Biyakim and then either had no clue and someone just brought it to him. I mean, it was a few blocks from his house. Or he deliberately fudged something. And he answers it. He, he says he feels possibly there was some. It's true that the, the Rosh Hashanahs do not spell what he says. It's not true. It's, and he shows you he has it. He has it reprinted in his, in his article. You can go online and pull it off. It's you don't have to pay any money to Ashley. It's just for free online. You pick it up. It's called a grave matter indeed by Abshnei Alayman, which is a play on the word grave, obviously. And and he he shows, but he says. On the other hand, the choice of words that the British Savages used raises some questions, like Shiro and, you know, the fact that the words he used could be played around. Who said? I, I want to leave off with one point, which really, it, 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 you know, when, when, when thinking about it. Rabbi Yunusim Ibeshitz was the most public figure in Europe. He had the biggest, the yeshiva with the most chashu people, he, he, he was saying shu'urim all the time. He was publicly available. If he was a closet shopside tzvi, when and where and how was he? W I mean, what was happening? Shopside tzvi people were notorious for A, and neglecting halacha, as he did himself, twisting and turning halacha, saying things that were, that, that, that were, that were inappropriate in, 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 in so on and so forth. We have a hundred sfarim written by him. He was a person that produced all the Rabbanim in Europe. 
he was somebody who's, who was as public a figure as you could get. I mean, it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll tell a story to that, to that, because I think it's important. The Slonim Rebbe, the Nesiba Shalom, had a brother-in-law, Rebbe David Weinberg, was a big chacham. He was like the executive director of Yeshiva. Usually the executive director is a big chachamim. He was the executive director of Yeshiva, a chacham. During the war, during 48, he was in the hospital. He had been wounded in the war. And he was in a hospital together with the Gera Chassid had gone off the Derek. And Gera Chassid was checking him. And he said, you know, Chazal can't look at the truth. Everyone knows David HaMelech what he did. And Chazal have to say he was toya and this and that and chulu v'chulu. So David Weinberg said to him, you have the wrong person. He says, I'm an adult. I know what life is like. I know people get nichshol. He says, the Ger Rebbe in Warsaw, everyone knows he had an affair with, with somebody. It, I'm not this well from it. So the Gerach said, are you crazy? The Rebbe's had an affair. He, he was 24-7 saying, kill him, and they're surrounded by 100 chassidim, and he had an affair. He says, ah, David HaMelech made to heal him, and, and he was surrounded by 1,000 people. He is, of course, he had an affair. But the Gary Rebbe, not. And, and it's, it's such a powerful vart. So where was this going on? Like, like it doesn't make sense. It, it, you know, it, it, they were getting together. He, he was public, in the public eye. He signed on Cherem on his own in 1725, 25 years ago, when he didn't need to, when whatever it is, he did it for a reason. So it, it really, on the other hand, he does say that he never explained the Kameis. You know, the Kameis are not normal Kameis. They're not, they, they, I, I, I'm not, not well-versed in it, but the, the Machon Linyane Kameis hasn't, hasn't given their seal of approval on it. Very unclear. I, I really say, but, but this was a terrible, terrible Machlokas. Um, and historically, today, Rabbi Yonis is a far more important figure mitzad the learning this forum that we have. Mitzad is dmus in Hasidus. And um, by the Hasidim, Rebbe Rabbi Yenison is, is, a, is, a, is a very important figure. And, um, and, I, I, and Rabbi Yanka Emden has a chashivas. He's put, he has many chashivas forum and agos and aris, but certainly doesn't have that stance that that has. But, and, and, and Rabbi Shane Lyman said, the one thing that keeps him like awake, the one reason, he says, he had a sixth and a seventh and an eighth sense, Rabbi Yaakov Emdin, where he was right so many times other people were wrong that you wonder, because, on the other hand, many people, he himself had to apologize to many people that he accused, he was a very, and people point out to two personal reasons. The fact that A, he took his father's position, he yashed his father's position, that really upset him, and Rabbi, Yonis Leibschitz had a halachic fight with, with Rabbi Yaakov Emden's father, Chacham Tzvi, a famous story about they found a chicken without a heart, and uh, Rabbi Yaakov and the Chacham Tzvi was matter it, and, and, and he came out against it very sharply, Yonis Leibschitz, and they felt that this was, that Rabbi Yaakov Emden couldn't forgive that slight, and, and obviously they used strong language, Yonis uh, could use strong language, and, and that's where, I don't know, in other words, it, it, these are all, these are conjectures, uh, historical conjectures, but this is um, a very, very big chilek, and, and, it, and it shook, it shook the fact that people could question a rov of that stature, the fact that, that there was such a furious machlokas, the fact that there was such, such, uh, 
back and forth and so on. And Rabbanah themselves were at each other's warheads. Pnei Yeshua against 300 Rabbanim um, and, and other Rabbanim against him. The, the, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a parish that left a terrible, terribly, the collateral damage was far beyond anything one could have imagined. Okay, uh, this note, we're entering Hamburg. And, what? Unclear. Shabsitzvi, again, it, 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 from the, the, the historical accounts that we have, sounds like he was a, 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 a manic depressive of sorts. He, he was a, a bright person. Like, no one knows. But, but, but he would go for days and days and be misbeid and, and, and come up with brilliant things. I don't know. I, I, What's the issue then? No one knows. It, 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 it's obviously, if you're manic depressive and you don't have any other outlet, then Mashiach and Kabbalah becomes the outlet. If the guy decides, no, somebody. The question would be that was the Hashash with that was what Yaakov. No, nobody thought he was Hashash. is off. He, he was as as no, as. No, no. He 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 accused. He he read into those Amos. He said if you if you make a gematria with Atbash, and reverse it. You get Rosh Tevis that could be that could be interpreted oh, as a shah. Yeah. Right. So, so anytime you write Baruch Hashem, exactly. But, but you know what? Like like the Vel says, you know, when you when you see when you uh, when you when you got hurt by hot water, you you, you by scalding water. You, you 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 jump away from cold water. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's it's something that. Th this is what we have. This is what we know. And and he never explained the other. He said the deep secrets. It's not. Sh it's Seamus. It's not Roshetavis. It's this that. But but it doesn't fit any other mold. And that's why we're baffled by it. There are standard. If you'll take a look, he he. There are five, kameas that are notarized by the government, and if you'll take a look. In the and again, one in Shale Lyman's. I didn't. Unfo I, I should have photocopied it because it's really. You sent it right around. It's already. Term Ekrovani Ene, and and it's. There's one that has. What? When a rabbi is accused of heresy, something like that. I think when a rabbi is accused of heresy. So it has the kameis. If you want to spend the night deciphering them in any way you would like. <laughs> Why? Yeah. So so. So the, so the the claim is the noy behuda said a hesper on he rhymes he, he, about it also. I, I advise you to read it. He said a hesper on him. Sarli Ochi Yonason. But he claims and he shows that he was forced to say the Hespit. There was a certain sense, and let's, I, I want to I, I put a piece of perspective into it. The idea that somebody could believe that there was a germ of Emes and Shapsi Tzvi that became destroyed. Le Marshall, if we look back at um, Bar Kochva, Bar Kuziva, the fact that the Kiva was taken in for, for, for Tkufa by him, means, like the Rambam says, it could be, and you could interpret it as it was a possible. There's a story they say over, and I always say, if you learn the sperm of the Ishbitzer, 
as prose, you are definitely going to become an apicurus. He writes that Pinchas, this is this week's Parsha, so we're saying a word on the Parsha, the Council Parsha also, that Be'emis Zimri ben Solu had, was bigger than Pinchas, and he knew a certain tikkun would come about it, but Pinchas didn't understand. If, if you say that literally, you're an apicurus. Two, two retorts to that word. One was from a, from Yeshua, from, from a Beryl Salvechik. That Be'emis, there was a bigger tikkun than what Pinchas did, but the Ishbitzer didn't understand. That, that, that was Rebarel's comment. Meir Shmolevitz, Yuval Chaim said, as if, if anyone's heard, it's a nace that Pinchas didn't understand, because Kaiser would have been destroyed. It says, it says, Shekelisi, so, a nace was it verstanden, and it was umgegangen. But the point of it is, I, I want to explain, what the Ishbitzer means is, and this is true about the Ishbitzer of Tzaddik, in all terrible things that happened, Shekhar can only stand if there's an akut of emis. So that means in Korach's Machlokis there was an akut of emis. It was a terribly distorted emis. And as it was, it was bad. But, but it, it, it fed off something. And the same thing with, with Simeon. In other words, there was a certain point of emis in it. So that a person could believe that Shabsi Tzvi had touched on a certain emis but had destroyed it, could be a possibility. Again, I'm, I'm conjecturing what people could have thought. Nobody would have felt, I assume, again, this is, Shnei Lyman writes, there were four approaches how to deal with it. There were people that felt it was 100% innocent. There were people that felt Lahashman or Hirog. And there were people that felt, I think, the Pnei Yeshua, he should do tshuva and declare that he's, and then be reinstated. And Nobody would have who, who wanted to elegantly get around with it. And he brings his, he, he's very, I mean, he, it's a it's a very worth, worth worthwhile read his his uh, his things that he wrote. If you sent it around already, it's there, and um, and uh, it's but it's a parasha that caused a tremendous loss of munas chachamim. So so if 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 a rav who is the head of the rabbanim could be accused of mishav tzvi, and some say he is, some say he's not, how do you know what's right? How do you know what's wrong? How do you know anything? Who's to say? Um, this, this, this was, and, and it made it loosen a lot of the sense of, 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 of uh, reverence. What? Any what? Right. There was a time when everybody was in Cherem at the same time because they put their Rebbe in Cherem, they put their Rebbe in Cherem. They went. The king also, and, and it, it, it was it was a machlokus that knew no boundaries, and everyone was caught up with the shem shemaim. There wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything. Everyone was was mamish shem shemaim, and and I'm saying it, it 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 was one of those. And the it's others have dealt with it. I'm, he deals with it, but it, 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 it's a mistake. That that is a grubber mistake. That he quotes a mimer. Which is a Maima Taninim, I think. But he quotes a Maima that written by Shabsi Tzvi. He didn't, it's also a Maima that's in the Zohar. There's, there's, the Zohar is Mamarim, so it, 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 that's what he's referring to. It's, it's very hard to understand. So, where was Rabbi Yonzam just writing this? Who was he writing it to? Who was his. Again, so. You know, the question is how does somebody. It's one thing if you say an unknown person does X, Y, and Z. 
but if somebody who's in the spotlight publishes so much, believes so much, does so much, when, where, how? Who, who, where, where, when is this? Okay, now, there is, okay, I, I, I don't know how much. So he has a son who it's claimed, is, he has a son who is a, it went off the deck. Now, the problem is like this. There's no direct, Rebecca Hemden writes about him. It, it, the Hasidic lore has it that he became um, fry. He was, a baron, he was a baron, he became fry and was about to marry a non-Jew, a, a non-Jewess. And, um, and his father came to Cholom. There are a lot of stories. Now, the, the common denominator stories is he had a son who went off the derech. He was about or did something terrible. He had a dream from his father. He came to three times and, and he did shuva. Now, Rabbi Yaakov writes that he was a notorious Shabzi Tzvi, Darsh, and so on and so forth. Um, it, it's, it says that he ended up by, uh, he ended up by Mendelssohn at the end. It, it, the, um, the, 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 more, the more common story told over by Sim is that it was a, a tremendous Baltstuck, a very good-hearted, but somehow went off the derech and was about to marry the Alman of a Gaisha friend of his, and as far came to James and so forth. I, I, hadn't, I didn't see where the original place, and it's hard to trust at, that, you know, it's a, that it's an objective account. It, it, it's very much his interest to write that. I, I don't know, I, I, I'm not sure, I, did, I didn't find it's Lorraine and Araya, but, but yes, it, 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 